Different Breed Podcast, episode six. Back at it with uh, with the Don, the Don of this thing. JP. Happy New Year, how you doing, bro. How, how was New Year's, bro? Happy New Year. It was good. Kept it light. Kept it light. Slight by uh, Word, I hear sleep you. by 12.05. <laughs> That's it. Stayed up for the uh, – did they even have a ball drop? Did, did, did that happen? I don't even know. No, we watched the we watched the the New York ball drop at nine with the kids, and then stayed up watching TV and watched the ball drop again, and called it a day. So, was uh, how was Christmas? It was awesome. It was awesome. Christmas yeah. with, uh, with the family and with the kids is uh, you know it's the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are the two best days of the year. So yeah, I loved it. No it was doubt, awesome. Man, no doubt. Yeah, bro. It was uh, a little different, obviously. You know, I was I, I was supposed to be out there with you. I was supposed to be out, uh, you know, seeing my mom. And man, this whole thing is is killing us. It's not even that like I don't like I obviously wanted to go, but it the whole thing with if I come if I go out, then I got to come home. I got to get tested. I got to take two weeks off work. I got like you know, there's all this. It's ridiculous. So it's like I can't even be a man about it and just suck it up. Yeah, they make it hard to. To make your own decisions. <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're not kidding. I know you're. You're not a uh, one to shy away from mm-hmm. that. But uh, regardless, so um, <clears throat> you're wearing your you're wearing your boy shirt. I see these guys on uh on Instagram now. What's uh What's the story with Moyer? They uh they liked the first podcast. They were they were happy that you were on. No, there's just That's a couple. Your, those are your guys over there. Yeah, there's just a couple San Diego guys. Uh, Jamie Moyer's son, Hutton Moyer, uh, my buddy. Nate Russell, kind of local San Diego guys that have gone up north to Washington, where Jamie was at uh, with the Mariners, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's kind of where he resides, and just doing just doing a thing that you know Moyer baseball, just trying to get uh, quality baseball or quality baseball information out to the to the Northwest. Shout out to Moyer baseball. Shout out to Moyer baseball. Yeah, no, Jamie Moyer, Uh, awesome. He's a I'll put him on Instagram every now and then. He'll he'll he does Q and A's with guys and uh, you know talk about a, a super experienced MLB player and the 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 access to to his to his like memory bank is 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 awesome. So um, they're doing good stuff and 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 creating some good content with Jamie and themselves. So uh, check them out. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, man, that's got to be an awesome dude to like just talk to because <clears throat> not only did he play in the big leagues, but he was like successful in the big leagues. And he was like one of those, he was like one of those freaks, right? Where like not a high velo guy, just put the ball wherever he wanted and, you know, kind of was able to get away with a lot just based off of that stuff. So it's got to be dope. Super smart guy, man. Listening to him talk about baseball, you could understand why he was able to have the success that he was had, you know, not being able to throw, you know, 95 miles an hour or whatever, you know, using both sides of the plate, not being able to throw in, even though he was a softer thrower, uh, being able to read swings, just so many things that he did to, to like you said, prolong a, uh, an amazing 20-year career or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. it's crazy, dude. Awesome, bro. Well, we're going to get into uh... – we're going to get into, into some stuff today. Uh, I think, I think this is going to be a good one, bro. I think this, this kind of fits us, you know, what we do and what it is that we're looking to, uh, you know, to accomplish. And, and like, you know, like we said at the beginning, just trying to bring as much value as we possibly can to whoever is listening to this stuff. And what's better than, you know, kind of walking the audience through a session, you know what I'm saying? And like, that's what we're going to get into and just talk about what it's like, uh, you know, what a Peabody baseball sessions like, what a different breed baseball sessions like, and, and, you know, some things that we come across and flaws and, you know, how to, how to kind of troubleshoot that stuff and reverse engineer different things to make it work. Absolutely. So why don't you get us started, bro? Like what's, what's your, uh, we kind of, we, so in the first podcast and we could touch on it just because, you know, it's, it's important. What, um, you know, maybe what it's like that first session with the guy, with a new guy, maybe. And then, you know, you could talk about once you get a little comfortable with them and, and as you, uh, you know, go down that road, that, that, that road of training with someone, you, you know, what's it like, uh, I guess, start off with a new guy, you know, so you start with a new guy, you ask him the three questions just to go over the three questions again and, and go over, you know, the intro with the new guy first and we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, with the the intro is is like you said, it's simple, man. It's 
you know, thank you for, for coming here. Don't have to listen to anything I say. Let's make sure that everything we do is based off logic, based off things working better than they were working before, and based off of some of the things that the best hitters do that are similar to you, um, similar body types, even, you know, similar loads and movements to a certain extent without even having to, like, really change a guy's movements, just kind of working with what you have there. Um, so we kind of go from there. Like I said, just kind of getting to know the person, ask them questions. What kind of runner, what kind of jumper are you? Just to get an idea of their ability to create input uh, and output. Uh, may do a mobility test. Um, certain things that I, you want to test to see. Sometimes I'll wait to do the mobility test until I see the hitter swing. And I'll say, you know what? Maybe there's a deficiency here. Let me, let's do Let's do a test and see what our thoracic spine mobility is or something like that. Um, so I won't always do the mobility, but mobility test, uh, but sometimes we will. Um, and then that's, after that, after we kind of get to know that first guy, it kind of, the rest of the lessons are kind of very similar to the lessons with the guys that I know. Um, I will say that I don't, I don't give any instruction until after I see the hitter that I'm working with. Uh, if it's a first time hitter, uh, after we hit some overhand and we get it on video. So we'll do our T work. Uh, we'll do some flip work. Uh, we'll get some overhand. We'll videotape it. And we'll kind of go from there as far as what has to happen with the rest of the lesson. So um, obviously the hitter that I've hit with before, we have an understanding of what that hitter does with his swing. So we can kind of just kind of get into what we were doing the session before. Um, but it always generally starts with good stretching and, and starts with a with some type of med ball, um, some type of med ball getting thrown around or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's dope. I, uh, it's funny. So you, you talk about, you know, mobility and and a good stretch and good warm up and stuff. I remember when I first started to work with you, I was like, man, I'm not gonna take a second for granted. I stretched at home because I live so close to the facility. I stretched at home that way. I had the full. I remember I pulled <laughs> up and you were like, yeah, stretch, stretch out, man. I was like, I'm stretched already. <laughs> I, st- I stretched out my crib because I was like, I'm not, I'm not wasting a second of this, of this session, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I used that the other day. I worked with a kid for the first time and I, you know, let him swing off the tee. I didn't say a word to him. He's just swinging, take, you know, getting loose and everything. And I just said, I was like, why are you here? You know? And, and he was like, what do you mean? I'm here to hit. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, I guess, you know, you're not, you're, you're not really understanding. But <laughs> no, I, I think that, that's like the best way to, you know, we saw we spoke about those three questions and and it's uh if it is it logical does it make sense you know all all that stuff i i really like that a lot and that's you know it's not it's no bullshit that's exactly what you do with me and that's what you do all your guys i see all your sessions a lot of your sessions out there and it's great um the the med ball stuff is huge too because uh or even so we're starting to like so I've always done med balls. We've always done what we call an active warm up. Um, so many different types of things, whether it's jump box stuff, whether it's med ball stuff, whether it's band stuff. Um, so many different types of active warm ups, ladder drills, um, endo boards, like a million different type of, of things, and 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 really trying to get the understanding that we're trying to get the fascia system warmed up. We're trying to get the fascia system actually firing in general. And what your fascia system is, is a long story short, there's a lot to your fascia system. Um, your fascia is a soft tissue that covers all the muscles in your body from your heads to your toes. And in, we talk about it in baseball or in hitting as far as the responsibility of, or, or creating the elasticity in your muscles. So the ability for your muscles to stretch out and to be able to fire back as fast as possible. So, um, to have a Fernando Tatis guy, a guy that's, you know, 200 pounds, again, good, good muscle frame, but not a high end muscle frame guy, be able to hit home runs at the rate that a Luke Voigt can hit home runs. Who's obviously muscle type is, is a little bit different than, uh, a Fernando Tatis, um, mm-hmm. to get those guys to understand like, Hey, this is why we're, we're doing this. This is it creates a, our load sequence, our, our load sequence. It's, it's like you said, it's, it's, it's letting the fascia stretch and snap or the muscle stretch and snap and the, and the fascia act. Um, so it's really important that we, that we do those things early, especially when you look at a hitting lesson, because the first 10, 15 minutes of that hitting lesson, if a guy is not stretched out or, or doing those drills, um, they're taking a lot of bad swings. 
you know, a lot of crummy swings. They're hitting the ball really bad. And then all of a sudden it starts to mess with their brain because, you know, you go 10 minutes of not feeling good and hitting the ball like shit. And, you know, then you have a problem. So, um, or, or, or problems start to arise from there. So I find it really important for the physical side of things and to a certain extent, the mental side of things to get that hitter, like you said, loose and his, his muscles fluid. So when we do start to try to hit a baseball, our swing is almost, you know, the body feels pretty close to where we want it to be. Yeah, dude. I, um, you, you started bringing up some of that fascia system stuff to me, and this is stuff that I didn't even know. I've never even heard of it. Didn't even no clue what it even was. And, um, yeah, bro, doing more research into that stuff. It, it, it's right in our alley. It's like we knew, it's we like, knew, but we didn't know. Right. And this is what I tell my hitters. Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to talk about fascia and you know, what's fascia? Why are we doing it? Well, we've always, we've done med balls for, for years. Couldn't really tell you, like we talked about describing, all right, well, this is going to make you more athletic. This is going to make you twitchier. This is going to make you rotate faster. All these things that we, we try to describe ultimately elasticity and, and, and like you said, what the fascia system is doing, um, we, we've tried to do, at least the smart ones have. So it's not like it, we learn mm-hmm. these things and we go, oh, we got we to gotta change the way we've been doing things all these years. It's not. It's just, oh, that like, okay, I know why. I know why I thought this and now it just, it just, it just helps make a little bit more sense. And, and for me, I've altered my practice plans in the sense of maybe doing a little bit more med balls, um, opposed to going from not doing them to doing them. Um, so like I said, there's a learning curve, but like I said, I think the guys that have a good understanding are just putting a little bit more why into why they were doing what they were doing before, opposed to, like you said, changing everything that they've done in the past. Yeah. I, um, I'm even starting to, you know, with this bat speed thing that I'm that I'm creating now, I'm starting to like it's all real trial and error, right? So there there's stuff out there that it, it's it's good, but um it's not necessarily like in depth, right? So I feel like a lot of it is uh a lot of it's trial and error. And I've been implementing or at least trying to implement more, you know, maybe more scorpions, more stuff to open up the hips. And, and, uh, you know, I haven't really been doing too much med ball stuff, but what, what would be, you're working with a guy, right? What kind of med ball stuff are you doing? You're just doing like, we're uh, doing Roman twists and stuff like that. You're swinging them and throwing them against we're the wall. We're doing, we're starting our chest facing the wall and just doing rotations this way. Um, we're doing one legged tosses where, you know, we got one leg on the ground, one leg on the wall, and we're just turning our core. We're doing shuffle tosses. Uh, we're going, we're launching it straight up into the air. Um, you know, with the med ball, it's, it's, you know, you can do so many different things with it. Yes. You could do exactly. Uh, especially you do it with, uh, you could do a box jump where, you know, your hitter, the guy's falling down and he's catching it as he's, you know, he's catching it as he's touching the ground. So he's got to control, you know, he's got to control his body and, and, and see it. There's, there's all these different, there's all these different things you can do with it. So yeah. And again, what kind of weight are you going with it? Are you going heavy or light? I try not to do anything more than six pounds. Uh, I'll, if, you know, two pounds, I'll, I'll, I'll go as low as two pounds and I won't go, I won't go any higher than six. I used to do 10, but, uh, for the college guys, 10 is not bad, but two to six pounds is 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 perfect it probably it probably compromises the ability to like do it 100 percent. kind of like lifting weights right it, it's like you may be able to do i don't know i don't even know what some of the weights are these days but you may be able to do like 150 pound tricep push down but if you're only getting you know like halfway you're probably not maximizing so i would imagine it's the same with these medicine ball things like if you can't get the full explosiveness with a 10 pound then it would be best to go lower in weight to get more, to get the full, the full Especially thing. if guys don't do it right. Um, and they start, they start exactly. using their shoulders or they start using one arm. And now you got someone throwing a 10 pound ball with one arm and, you know, he tears mm-hmm. his shoulder and his elbow up. So, um, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be careful working with, you know, the eight, the nine, the 10, the 11 year old kids that are, mm-hmm. you know, 
I try to keep their arms straight. So it's as much as kind of like a catapult effect as possible. It's where the body is doing all the delivering and, you know, that, the, like I said, the elbow and the shoulder is, is essentially taken out of the equation. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring that up and we're going to get back to it, but uh, I, I, just for that exact reason, I stopped doing like pitching stuff. Like I won't, I won't do anything with pitching because it's, you know, I'm probably maybe like slightly above novice when it comes to hitting instruction. You know what I'm saying? Like you'll never know everything in the moment you think you do, you know, it'll humble, humble you real quick. Um, so I'd say like, I'm not necessarily, you know, a beginner, but I, I maybe slightly above that. I'm still learning every single day, but when it comes to pitching, like, dude, I know the body, like I know the anatomical ways that the body moves and stuff like that. But when it comes to, some of that stuff like to me it's just like so risky even when you're working it's with a like, dangerous i don't know i think once you it's a dangerous game it's, to get it's, into, it's a dude. dangerous like, thing in general know. right just throwing a ball and the act of throwing a ball is dangerous in itself doesn't make sense yeah you're, you're asking yeah. your body to do something that it was really not designed to do at all so um you know as a coach to bear that responsibility of a guy getting hurt or not based on you know you know, based on what you taught him to do, it's almost like you said, <laughs> it's almost irrelevant. He's gonna, he's gonna get it's hurt scary. no matter what, damn near. So, uh, you know, you got your yeah. ball heavy ball, this, you know, arm in this position, that, you know, there's, there's so much going on to, to pitching that, like you said, can hurt it, can physically hurt a person and, and hurt their career at the same time to where as a hitting coach, at least if the person's wrong, he's not. You know, you're not going to need surgery. Damn yeah, he's not, you're not going to need surgery <laughs> after. Um, not that that's yeah. any better when it comes to your baseball career to an extent. But, um, yeah, the physical harm is – yeah, good luck pitching coaches. It's yeah, far greater. <laughs> you're not kidding, dude. Um, all right, so you get into some, some med ball some med ball work, some, some uh, dynamic stretching, some, you know uh, – Trying to get the uh, trying to get the body fire, trying to get the explosiveness going. Where do we go from um, now? You you big you're a big T guy, right? Or at least um, I, I'm 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 Kinda. in and out on it. Again, it, it, it sometimes it depends on my hitters. Um, I, I'm I, I like it. I think there's a lot to there's de- to to do on a T. There's there's you know ball placement and making sure that I'm able to relate and do exactly what I want to do. This thing keeps cutting out, um, to keep, uh, to do what I want to do with my swing is super important. Um, but I just don't think it's the end all be all like, you know, we've time. So we'll definitely do some tea, whether it's some, uh, some deep tea, some high tea, um, some low tea. I try to not put the tea right down the middle. Um, maybe the, maybe the first five or seven, like, you know, something like that, just to feel the swing, I guess. But, you know, I, I want the T up or I want the T back or I want the T, you know, down. Um, I don't want the T, you know, down the middle. So we'll definitely do some T work. Yeah. Um, uh, rewind if we get to that. Like if we do see physical limitations, uh, we might do some stretches to that body part um, before we hit off the T. Uh, if not, like I'll always suggest that a hitter just, like I can help them with it. Or, you know, I would say like, look, dude, go to YouTube, go to, you know, even go on Instagram and search, you know, hip, hip mobility, thoracic spine mobility, search those things that you need and you will find an abundance of information to try to kind of open those, those parts of your body up. So um, if we do see deficiencies, we'll, we'll, we'll try to work them out. We'll talk about them and send them on as, you know, send them kind of on that way of, of figuring out how we can, of you know stretch those out um we'll get on some tea uh again some it, you know depending on how the hitter how the hitter wants to do it the pro guys some of them don't do it at all um uh high tea we do a lot if i do if i do tea I, I always do a high tea just to make sure that we we feel short to the ball and our hands are staying high and that we're not you know choppy or just anything long at all um just short and direct and then we take you know, short and direct, you know, a little bit lower. Um, like I said, I am a fan of working the low T, um, really making sure that guys are, you know, kind of staying in their legs and, and the idea of hitting the ball, and, you know, 
to the middle right side of the field if you're a right-handed hitter, uh, I think is important. So um, we'll definitely do those things, and we'll move on to some type of flip. Or overhand sitting on a sitting yeah, on I mean, bucket throwing overhand. I've tried to – I'll still do flip, but for me with the flips, I feel like the perspective of my hand being at the ground and the ball coming in, you know, trying to keep the ball down and not trying to throw the, throw the rise ball of the flip, it almost sets the hitter up to to chop and to have um, poor connection and to not be able to get the barrel working behind them because of where they're already planning on going. Um, I feel like as soon as I start to throw that ball overhand, all of a sudden that hitter's eyesight's go up. And all of a sudden that, that thought of working, you know, higher with the hands, behind the ball more with his hands and his barrel is, is just a little bit easier and, and a lot more realistic for that hitter. So, um, Again, I'm not saying I don't ever do flips because I do, but I try to I try to not do them for that reason as as often as possible. But you know, yeah, I agree. I I use uh, <clears throat> I use the flips really just as I, like I'll straight up tell them feel good and like do whatever it is here that that like is going to make you feel good because we're going to spend a majority of the time throwing over the top because you know to me it's one of the closest things to, to what you're going to get. So you'd much rather, and, and even when I go out, I see you and you, you're throwing to these guys and you're throwing darts from 30 feet out. You know what I'm saying? You're like One of, one of my, sorry, the flips? That, what you say? Was that, no, no, go, go. No, no. no one of my favorite drills no. with the flips is, you know, we talked about Mickey Moniak last week or last podcast and, um, they were showing, he was told, he was showing me a drill that the, that Juan Soto does, um, uh, they they kind of try to instill a lot of Juan Soto's routine into into Mickey this spring. Um, so one of the drills that Juan does is is they'll have a the flipper will will go to throw the flip and he'll essentially go to flip it in pretty hard. And if the uh, ball doesn't come out of the hand, you know he wants him in a good you know at a land and in a in a, in a a balanced launch position. And then the flipper might flip the ball on the second or the third flip. Um, and then the hitter, you know, reacts to it. So, uh, you know, they're trying to work on time with that first one and, and, and do it right, obviously, but you're, you know, you have that accountability that's being held for not jumping and just not going out there and taking a sloppy swing by that ball, not coming, uh, by essentially kind of creating the curve ball or the change up effect by not flipping the ball on that flip. So, um, it's a good drill to, for hitters of all ages, obviously, if a, if a, if a Juan Soto is doing it, um, it's 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 good enough for for older guys and it's a pretty basic drill to get younger guys to understand that that idea of seeing the ball um i have something that i call the death of the american hitter which is uh which is basically hitting baseballs and hitting nothing but fastballs uh not playing wiffle ball anymore like kind of we grew up being you know you know playing um but at the end of the day a lot of kids are playing travel ball a lot of kids are getting hitting lessons and they're fed uh, they're fed fastballs down the middle and the ability to react like hitting it. They're taking the reaction out of it. Right. American, American kids, they don't react when they hit, they see a ball that, like you said, is spoon fed to them in practice from, from mom and dad, they, or from dad who they hate hitting off of nowadays because dad doesn't throw enough strikes. Um, and they hate hitting off the machine because the machine doesn't throw enough strikes too. Uh, or the machine's too hard to hit because he's too hard to see or it's too sneaky or whatever. There's an excuse for it. Um, so they need, you know, to pay a, a thrower to groove fastballs down the middle. That thrower will throw a ball and he'll say, my bad, after throwing a ball because he's got to throw every ball down the middle. So so whoever he's throwing it to can hit it hard. And their parents know that they're paying, you know, they're getting what they're paying for. Um, and then all of a sudden that kid shows up to the game and has no idea how to control his body and, and react to a curveball or a changeup because his his coaches and his parents have done nothing but throw him fastball. So um, in the Dominican and in the Latin in the Latin countries, they don't have that. They and even in, in they bottle cast and even in, in you know even in, in slow forward moves and balance and breathing are very it's in culture. Like breathing and balance is is, 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 is huge in that culture, no matter what you're doing, whether it's karate, whether it's you're walking down the street, like breathing in, breathing in balance is a huge thing. And so even there, like real quick, was it, 
real quick, was it you that sent me the picture of Robbie, Robbie Cano, blowing the bubble? It might have been. I, it, it probably was. Not, I know. I know. Adam Jones, who's a buddy of mine, is is kind of famous for for blowing a bubble, whether when he's hitting or or diving for a ball in the outfield. Um, but they, we take the breathing, we take the balance, we take the seeing the ball away from the American hitters, and they go in the game, and their guy's throwing him a curveball, and the guy has no idea what he's doing. And then he's getting motherfucked by his travel ball coach, saying, what are you fucking thinking? Your approach sucks. You don't have, it a, you don't have an approach. You can't do this. And that travel ball coach, and that, and that hitter's going, dude, I had an approach, but I didn't practice like I was beat before I stepped in the ball. I didn't, I couldn't recognize the damn pitch. Now that's, is that because you don't throw me curveballs in the game? Is that because, or we don't practice any curveballs? Is that because when I do my private lessons, I don't get, I don't like hitting curveballs. Is that, you know, it, it's, it's a big cause and effect of, of, like I said, guys getting spoon fed. So when you, when you see guys doing bottle caps, when you see guys hitting seeds, um, there's, there's, there's a control that you have to have because it is small. It is coming in kind of fast. But there's a vision that you have to have um, because it's small, um, because it's going to have some late break. Um, you know, the body control of like, like, do do like Americans, like we're dead red fastball hitters. Like you can't beat us with the fastball and you can damn sure beat us with a curveball. So the idea of like, like, let's like feel like our body is preparing for like a slider, even though I want to hit the fastball. But like, let's let's feel the slider with the body so we can be in control and then maybe we can react better to the fastball. Maybe I'll react better to the curveball. but as, as young kids and, and everyone who I say this to goes, well, you can't look hard and adjust soft. And my answer to them is, well, you can't fucking speak French. If I, if I asked you to speak French right now, because you never tried. So maybe if you practiced moving slow and anticipating a slider, you could be able to hit a fastball. Maybe you can't, but uh, maybe you could. And I think that that idea of being in control with your body first and then being fast second, and like I said, really reacting is, is an art that um, a lot of American kids get taken out of them. They get robbed from because, like I said, their travel ball coaches need to, uh, need to get everybody 15 swings in before, uh, before they leave in that two-hour span. Yeah. I, um, man, you, you, hit, you hit a lot of stuff there. That was really great. Um, that's the reaction. Like that's one of the biggest things that I tried to implement from the, from the rip, from the start of this whole thing was, you know, I always say you have to think, I actually got it from Tim Grover in that book, Relentless. And, you know, he would talk about how, you know, Jordan and Kobe, you know, they got to take a billion free throws, you know, and they have to think and they have to have conscious consciousness going on between every single rep, you know, in order to get in the game and do something with not thinking, being able to react. There's a difference between, you know, reacting and, you know, the, uh, the latter. So the being able to react, like you're so, you're so right when it comes one, when it comes to the Japanese guys, those guys, they have these crazy leg kicks, they bring them up to their chin and they have nothing like no loss of control, no loss of balance. Like, and they're hitting, it's incredible how they do that. Like slower pitching. Right. So I don't like, I don't know if that's, you know, they're used to it but we should be used to hitting faster fastballs too. So it's like, we're still jumping to hit fastballs, but yet they're not jumping to hit curveballs. So you can't say that like, Oh, well they throw slower over there. Well, it's like, no, they control their body over there. We don't control our body. Um, They've normalized slow. We Mm -hmm. haven't normalized fast. Or if we have, we've done it by jumping. And then when they slow it down a little bit, we get exposed. So yeah, the body control there is crazy. Um, you know, that's why I suggest kids, if you're a coach, if you're a young parent, dude, put your kids in karate, let them under like stretching is huge in karate. Like the, the process of, of, of being able to do what you want to do in karate is like, like you said, they, they, they won't ask you to kick a, 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 a someone in the head unless you can physically kick someone in the head. And they're going to make sure that you're physically able to do the thing that they're going to ask you to do. And like you said, they don't, it's not like that in travel ball, you know, or in, little league or whatever baseball you play it's like do this and if you don't do it then i'm gonna yell at you until the day you show up and you can do it and then i'm gonna take credit for you being able to do it well even even uh it you bring up karate i if i'm not mistaken i think 
I'm pretty sure Donaldson, when he was going through his his whole thing, you know, when he kind of became one of the more outspoken guys on MLB Network, you know, he was really talking about the swing a lot. Um, he was working with uh, with okay. Stephen Thompson, MMA fighter. He was doing a lot of this karate. Stephen Thompson's a, a karate black belt, you know, and he's a kickboxing guy. And it's it's funny because I, I was literally thinking about that last night. I was thinking about talking about like different sports and how they how they kind of jive with what we're doing. Like you brought up hockey the one day. You just, I think I think Trout used to play hockey, did he not? You know, and or just swinging a hockey stick, you know, using the different muscles and how, how it implements. But the karate, that, that's huge because you're, you're learning that balance, you're learning all this stuff. And like I said, I'm, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Donaldson was doing, was doing karate with uh, the MMA guy. That's pretty dope. Um, I couldn't agree more with the, uh, the lack of control in American hitters, how we can, how we can crush, we can crush fastballs, but we can't touch the other stuff. Uh, I think it was probably you that introduced that to me, and I've tried to make it a point. I, I rip, I rip curveballs, or at least I try my best to rip curveballs in in my sessions. And you know, I find a lot of value in uh, no take BP. You know, in in a mod, moderate ac- excess. You know, like not not too much where you're developing bad habits. But there's, I think there's something to be said about the ability to like kind of take take that, you know, two baseballs off the plate and being able to at least, you know, foul it off or even be like, you could hit that. People underestimate how long a 33, 34 inch bat is. You know what I'm saying? And it's more of like a confidence. Like, like my career completely changed in college when I started swinging a 34. And it's funny because I choked up on it. I just wanted the mass of the bat, but just sw- having the 34 in my hands, even though I choked up, it like gave me this confidence to be able to reach more balls outside of the zone. So, but when it comes to training, like I, what do you, do you do anything like that? Because, you know, you're saying that the American hitting coach and the American guys, what they do is they feed fastballs, the travel ball kids, and then they get mad, this and that. Um, what's your take on like no take BP and just working on just that. ability and variability? Um, if I, if I'm working with a hitter and he takes a, and he, and he takes a swing on a pitch that, you know, I'm like, what are you swinging at? Or why would you swing at that pitch? That's kind of the first thing I ask him was like, Hey, where are you at right now? Are we, are we trying to hit everything or are we trying to swing at good pitches? And if he's as dude, I'm trying to hit everything. I shut up, I go back and I throw and I'll just kind of monitor from there to make sure he wasn't, you know, bullshitting. Um, or we'll just, before we even get into it, we'll talk about, we'll say, Hey dude, we're going to, you know, I'm going to induce bad pitch. I'm going to induce some bad swings on purpose, whether it's me throwing the ball off the plate or me mixing up pitches. Um, so yeah, we'll do, We'll do that. We'll do a triple plate drill where I'll just throw regular batting practice and I'll have a hitter go from one plate to the next plate to the next plate. He's got two swings to barrel a ball. If he doesn't barrel a ball, he's got to go back to the last plate. Um, Once he gets kind of consistent with being able to hit the ball at that one, and then I'll just start telling him three and he'll go to plate three and I'll throw a curveball and then he'll hit the curveball or whatever he won't. And then I'll throw that, you know, and I'll just mix it up. So I'll go as slow as curveball on plate three, and I'll go as far as, 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 and I'll do fastball on plate one. So they're not only are they seeing different speeds, but they're, and I don't know how great it is to be completely honest. Um, you know, we talk about learning every single day. You know, as a coach, I do things that I, I, I think will help. Um, I know will help, or I think will help. I'm not afraid to say that there are things that I do that I am not hundred percent, a hundred percent sure that I know will help that we, that we, and we see how, how it works. Um, the idea of, of, of not having the same, you know, when I'm throwing a ball from 20 feet from a guy, you know, authentic is that, you know, I don't know, but it's definitely, it's definitely a different feel than, than regular batting practice. So, um, with those things that I'm not a hundred percent like sold in on, um, again, I know that, I know that, I know it works to an extent. We won't do it. We won't do it all the time. We'll do it, but you know, we're not going to sit there and, and throw, I'm not going to throw from that distance for 20 minutes. You know what I'm saying? It's a drill that we'll do for five, 10 minutes or whatever the case may be. So, um, that's a, that's a drill for me that, that has worked, that has worked good to just, again, create variability, um, you know, we talk about balance. Um, your eyes are a big sensor. Um, and sometimes our eyes overwhelm, overwhelm us. We see the ball really well. And all of a sudden we jump or we overswing. 
Um, so I try to get my hitters to move with their eyes closed as often as possible, just so they can add the sense of feel. Um, you know, you guys out of it all of a sudden. You were doing more feeling when your eyes were open. Um, we'll apply that to a drill. Well, or they will start their swing with their eyes closed. I'll say go, and they'll open their eyes and try to find the ball and react. And that's that's a drill that I that I got from Doug Lotta. Um, but the concept of loading and moving with your eyes closed in general is, is, is a concept that is, like I said, as a player, I mean, how many times have you closed your eyes and loaded? Um, you know, I see guys do it all the time, but they don't even realize that they're doing it. Um, or they're using their mirror and the mirror is almost acting as like their, their eyes are open, but they're moving super slow and they're feeling a little bit more just by looking in the mirror opposed to just looking at a ball come at them. So, um, yeah, those are just little things that we do to just to to try to get body. Last thing that one of the, one of my favorite drills that I'll do if I'm doing a flip is called commit to control. So it's basically a hitter tries to keep his foot in the air as long as possible. I will make sure that the hitter goes forward before I flip the ball. Right, so I'm in a ready to go position. The hitter picks up. I usually have him what I would call like a, a pedestal position where their feet are a little bit closer together. Um, the hitter picks his foot up, starts to go fo uh, forward slowly. Once he goes forward slowly, then I'll, then I'll flip the ball to him. Um, I want that hitter to commit to going forward under control before he sees a ball come at him. Um, he needs to, he needs to feel what, like I said, what it's like to commit to going forward without knowing what's coming at him. Um, so yeah, that's those are those are kind of some of my favorite drills to to work command uh, of your forward move and to kind of do it a little bit more on time with 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 uh, with pitches that are a little bit more random, I guess, opposed to just fastballs. You know, lots of curveball machine, but even the curveball machine gets repetitive because it's a machine. But you know, we'll do it to work on hitting the curveball, but the 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 repetitiveness of the speed is still you know, it is what it is. So, yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, kind of jumping off your top, your your last thing on that. What uh, is it? The commit to go drill? Is that what you said it was? Is that like the halfway home? What's the halfway home? Because I know you talk about the halfway. Home. Before I get into that, I I tell guys all the time: you can wait for the ball, but the ball's not going to wait for you. So, like having that control and being able to control the forward, the forwardness, and being able to get things moving without knowing where the ball is going to be. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of value in, in learning how to control your body, being you able to manipulate the, your body in different slow ways. Slow the game down too. To, uh, yeah. You know, you're not going to, you're slowing it down. Slow the game down. Everything's fast. You have such, you have such little control. Uh, there's as a hitter, you have such little control over everything. You know, you have a pitcher who can dictate how hard he wants to throw it, how slow he wants to throw it, where he wants to throw it, what pitch he wants to throw, how much rotation he wants to put on it, you know, uh, when he wants to throw it with a delivery. There's so many different things that, like, you need to be able to kind of capture some kind of control. Like, that's why I'll talk to guys all the time. I'll tell, I'll tell guys um, in-game, call timeout. You, if you're not calling timeout five, six, now this doesn't work at the pro level. I know you get hit for that, but college and, and high school level yeah. call timeout five, six times a game, just because it's like, it's just a thing of like, you know, trying to, trying to gain some, and that, gain and, something and that, back and from that, everything. And, 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 and great you players. Know? Like I have a kid that I coach Gabe Darcy, who is our dude. He's, he's six, three, he runs a six, five, uh, play center field. Like he's, he's a dude. And we were playing this team, and it was a young a team that was a little bit younger than us. We 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 had a special team this summer. We have a lot of special players. Probably it had to be it, like it had to be one of the top five eighteen U travel ball teams in the country. There's a lot of really good players on that team. Yeah, and Moses uh, with we're the playing show? this younger team, and they're like like you said, most of our kids are. A lot of our kids are juniors, to be honest, but we have we have our fair share of our seniors and, and, and juniors. I want to say this class, this team was a lot of juniors and a lot of sophomores. So they were a younger team than us. And they kind of played like they didn't give a shit. Um, you could see it in their practice. And the pitcher, again, super high intense, like Max Scherzer, give me the ball throw, give me the ball throw guy. And <laughs> our leadoff hitter, Gabe, 
he starts acting like he's got something in his eye. And it's a five-minute ordeal. He's got – the trainer comes out, and they're pouring water in his eye. There's towels. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a five-minute delay of game. <laughs> and he gets on base. He scores, whatever. And we're like, dude, you good? He's like, oh, bro, I was just fucking around. I had to slow the game down. And it's just little little shit like that where it's just Bro, like, I love that. You know, um, yeah. Little so victories. It's, it's definitely victories. part of the game. And, and as far as that stuff happened in pro ball, dude, if, if that's who you are, if that's what you do, it it's it is what it is. Guys, guys, you know it's they it's it's part of the game. I think certain guys are afraid to do certain things because they think they're going to get hit, dude. And I'm gonna tell you what: a lot of the shit that you hear about, oh, if you did this shit in pro ball, you're going to get hit. That's bullshit. Those pitchers, they'll hit you if you do certain things. Don't get me wrong, but like those guys are afraid to put guys on base. Those guys, it's not like young players do what you do. If you want to call timeout, call time. Don't be afraid of getting hit. And you know what? If you're a pitcher and you want to put one in his ribs, put one in his damn ribs. I really, it is what it is. Play the game the way you want to play the game. Play the game right. Play the game hard. And if it offends somebody, well, then fuck you. You've, you've offended somebody. But you're going to offend people if you play the game right and if you play the game hard. Um, if you're looking to play the game to, to not offend people, then you're not playing the game the right way. Um, so, like I said, young guys, dude, don't be afraid to offend people. Play the game. Play your game. Um, and like I said, you should hope to offend people. I'm offended if I don't offend you. Facts. Yeah, there you go. Hundred percent, dude. I, I, you did try to take this, uh, this mindset. At least when I played, I tried to do this, and I try to instill it in some of my guys. You know, walk out to the plate and, and step in the box as though every single person and wherever you're playing, it may be five people there, maybe you know. Some of these games, they get crazy. You know, you might be playing in a conference. You might be playing for 500, you know, at the college level, whatever it is. Walk out there like every single person there is watch, there to watch you play. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, if, if, just take, if you take that mindset, right, if you go out and you pretend that every single person in the stadium is there to watch you play, do you think you're really going to care how – like you're going to take as long as you fucking want to walk to the plate. You're going to call timeout as many times as you want. Like how long is an average MLB at bat? Do you see how long some of these guys take? They go, they get their step out, batting gloves. It's like they have long at-bats. Like they're just the, the tempo of them. Like there's nobody running to the plate. There's no one running to get back in. Like there's there's really not a lot of high-tempo stuff going on when it comes to baseball. Like I had this, this one phase where I would sprint to home plate just to – I don't know. Like I don't know. I was just trying different things and acting like a psychopath. And I was like – I'd sprint to home plate. And then, you know, I'd like call timeout and I'd run back in the plate. Like, I don't know. It was like – it was just weird stuff. But no one's doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like – you have it, – it kind of brings back to the control. All you can really control is getting into the box, holding your bat, where you're going to stand. Like, that's really it. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like if you can control how long you take to walk to the plate, you know, that might be like a little thing to mess up timing. Bringing back to your point, uh, I had a college coach, Coach Mims, at Bergen when I played, and uh, he used to say the same thing. Like, if you forgot a sign, he would say, like, call timeout or, like, you know, pretend you're tying your shoe as the first base coach what the sign was. But – I remember, you know, high-paced guys, like high-tempo pitchers, I would legit – I would do the same thing. I'd fake, I'd fake something in my eye. I'd walk down to third base. They'd give – you know, it's like – it's not like a, a true timeout. It's like, you know, you get to – or, you know, whatever it is, you get to walk down. And, uh, you know, you bring the trainer, you, you say. And I remember – I'll never forget it. He was like – he was like, you good? Like, can you see? Do I – like – I was like, dude, I'm just – I'm just – like, this is going to really piss him off. Like, this is really going to piss him off. You know, and you know anything you can do to get that small victory. Um, I totally agree with bro. That's when awesome. it when it comes to walking. To That's the great plate, stuff. Um, guys in the big leagues don't walk to the plate because it's cool. All right, um, guys walk to the plate because it helps them. Um, how does it help them? Well, just when you're, you know, it's amazing how relaxed you are when you're sitting on deck, and as soon as that at bat is over, all of a sudden your heart starts to starts to thump a little bit, and you can imagine. Mm-hmm it being in a big situation with a stadium full of people or not. Um, just the idea of like, okay, I'm in the big leagues. I need to have a big, I have an opportunity to get a, to, to win a game and your, your heart starts pounding. Well, the mechanism to slow that, to slow your heart down is to walk to the plate. Okay. So first, like, it's like, all right, I'm up. My heart starts to pound. Now I sprint. Now my heart starts to pound more. Okay, now I have to hit. 
Now yep. my heart starts to pound. Now I'm standing in the box and I have to hit. Now my heart starts to pound more. So guys are walking to the big leagues or, you know, at, at that, you know, at college level, big league level, um, because that's their mechanism of slowing their heart rate down. Okay. And a lot of young kids need to understand that, that you're at bat starts way earlier than when they say, you know, when you step in the box and part of that at bat is you walk into the box slowly, starting to slow your heart rate down, have an approach, tell yourself to do you know, whatever, whatever your, whatever your, your process is on, you know, in that 20 feet, you know, whatever you need to say to yourself, whatever, you know, addressing what situation is up. All right. This is the runner. This is, this is that, like just kind of coming to that. Okay. This is what, this is what we're doing. Um, but yeah, walking the plate is, is, is that way of slowing is slowing the heart rate down. So I can use the muscles that I need to use to take a good swing. So um, young kids understand that coaches, parents, make sure that you are, if your kids, if your kid is jogging, running, if, if he is not walking, to the plate and there is not a, uh, there's not a runner coming to home plate that he needs to direct. Um, then he is hurting himself. Okay. Mm -hmm. He needs to walk to the plate. So make sure you yeah, guys are walking to the damn sure. plate. Walk to the damn plate. All right. Um, sidetracking a little bit. There you go. <laughs> just draw my pen. Just literally threw my pen almost like across my apartment. Okay. So, when we get into working with a guy, right? How typical, typically, uh, how many times a week will you work with a guy? I'll, I'll see them once my, a week. Like my, Is it maybe twice a week? My amateur players, I'll see them once a week. Um, I try to, if someone wants twice a week, it's got like, it's got to be like a hasn't played for a while or going to an event. And I just want to make sure that we're locked in. Um, I don't have anyone regularly coming in twice a week. Uh, just not necessary. If I'm doing my job and you care about baseball at all, you don't need to come to me twice a week. Um, the pro guys, I'll see. I really won't see them more than twice a week. Um, I'm just busy, dude. So, uh, yeah, I'll see my regular guys once a week. I'll see my pro guys twice a week. And that's really it. The reason I ask is because um, I've been I've been watching a lot of. It's funny you brought up karate because I've been watching a lot of the uh, you know I don't know jujitsu. I've been watching a lot of fighting. I've been watching a lot of that stuff. And if you look at these guys, they have these gyms, right? There's no one coming in for one session a week, right? They have like these camps and they have these academies, you would say, right, where you're training, you know, however many times a week. So it's like I have this thought process of you know, you need to be able to deliver value and you need to be able to deliver, you know, what you're trying to get across in a fast manner. I get that. But I think that there's something to, and I don't know if anybody does it, but almost like having an academy or a, uh, like, I don't know, like that, that kind of environment where you're, it's like a membership or something like that where you go and now you're working however many times a week for different sessions and stuff like that on different, on, you know, different things. That way you're not cramming, you know, uh, you're not cramming off speed and, and pitch location and drills and this and that all into one 45 to an hour session. You know what I'm saying? Because then it's like, you know, at least on my end, you know, with some of the younger guys, like some of them are only coming in maybe twice a week, you know, they're not coming in every single week. And it's like, you know, well, what are you doing that the rest of that other time? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing in the time that you're not working with me? Or you're not, you know, I know Moyer baseball. Um, so that's something that kind of what their kind of goal is to do is to have guys three days a week and to, to, to be able to mold the guys more. I think I know driveline has, they, they do a lot of similar things to that. I don't know exactly what, but I know, too, yeah. I know guys are there on a daily basis getting their work in. So, um, I will say if you're an instructor, it is, and you're looking to get guys better. It's, it's, I, I know if I had more time with guys, I would, I would get them better. It's just plain and simple. You know, there's only so much you can do in a 45 minute session once a week or once every two weeks. Um, so yeah, if they're, if, if, you know, if you could figure out how a way to, to, to get that done, I think that would definitely be 
better for your players. And ultimately when it comes to the act of trying to get guys better, I mean, that's, that's what you're there for. So um, I think it's, it's a great idea. Um, it's just hard for me to execute. I don't know. It's hard to get everyone three days a week with everything that, that life has, you know, that everyone that has everything going on, um, especially if you're dealing with, you know, high school baseball, it's like during the season, do they're practicing or they're playing games every day. So to have that window of three days a week of have the guys come in, you know, so do I really want to work with certain middle schoolers three days a week? <laughs> not really. So it's like, it's as, as a coach, it all, no, I, but, but not I, think, really. I think, like you said, as a coach, it, want to do what what is best for kids like you, you know you gotta you gotta start to find you know all that stuff like just because I don't want to do it doesn't mean that another qualified coach doesn't want to do it right so um but yeah so there's just I think there's a lot of good to to programs that are set out to see guys three to you know three four days a week whatever the case may be yeah I mean the so th- what kind of inspired that the thought was just because, you know, just like you said, if the more you work, the more one comfortable you get, the more you, you kind of jive with one another and stuff like that. So for example, I, not that I care because I really don't, but it's like a thought that, you know, I thought the other day driving home from one of my, uh, one of my sessions, I work with uh, Alexia George. She's a team USA women's baseball catcher. Right. And uh, we've been working once a week, um, for the past year, you know what I'm saying? And that's like a lot of sessions. Like there's a lot of stuff that like her swing has, has transformed. I think, I think, I feel like she's gotten better. She looks good. Um, and you know, she's trying to make a college baseball team, but we're at a point now, like her season's about to be coming up you know, in the next couple months, you know, finishing up her high school career. And just because we've been working this past year, we had a session last week or earlier this week. I forgot what it was. Hardly, hardly any words spoken. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we almost know what it is that we're doing. And I go to these places and I, the other coaches are probably staring at me. Like what you're, you're paying this guy. He's not even telling you how to do anything when really it's like, we know what we're doing and we've been working like all the hard work, like really, really hard work has been done already. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if you can create, I, I just in my opinion, of course, but like if you can create this environment where you have, you know, a place where you can, maybe expedite that one year into like, let's say a six month camp where you're working like maybe twice a week or three times a week. And then you're kind of getting into this flow of really focusing on, you know, more specific things as to, as to, you know, driving the ball the other way, curve balls, no take BP, uh, you know, all this different stuff cramming into one forty-five minute session. I don't know. Like that, it was just a thought that I have. We're now like, we're at a point where, mechanically there's a lot of things there's work to be done but mechanically a lot of the hard work's been done like i said so you know we have the the liberty of being able to you know dedicate almost a whole session to curveballs or off speed or you know adjustability you know like kind of something that's going to fit into one whole thing instead of you know hey listen i'm going to rip fastballs at you then we're going to go we're going to do some drill work and fix this and then hey we're going to go rip curveballs you know i don't know it was just a thought. I think I, that's I a great curious. thought. Um, I think if you build it, you know, people will come to that. Uh, you just, you know, put your mind to, to, to making that as good as you can. And, and that, and that, and, and that will work. Um, you know, and like I said, for guys that don't do that, I think, like you said, understand that, Hey dude, we're going to rip fastballs today. And then next week we're going to rip curveballs, Right. So just kind of going back and forth and having that mm-hmm. consistent inconsistency, where, like I said, I know with certain guys what I'm doing this week, and I know what I'm doing next week with them. I already know it today. So, um, but like I said, if I had them, you know, two, you know, if I had them two or three times that week, you know, we'd get more work done. So, um, if you're not gonna, like I said, if you're not gonna do it smarter, which I think is is uh, is or harder, I don't I don't know how you want to say it. you're not gonna do it more often, like like you're trying to like you're trying to do over there. Um, then you have to do it smarter and know like, Hey, like come up with a practice plan for guys and go like, this is what we're doing. And, and and the coach's communication is saying like, Hey, dude, this is, these are drills that are, are like really specific to your process. So even though I don't see you over the next week, if you can crush out these three or four drills and if you can do X, Y, Z, you know, do these stretches over the next month, 
like we will see that progress that you're not going to, like you said, I, I, I will still stick with my plan that, that like I said, you don't, if I'm doing my job and you're doing your job, you don't need me three days a week. Um, will it, would it be nice and would it be easier for me to do my job and for you to do your job? Yes. But like, if I'm really telling you the right shit and I'm giving you the right plans and I'm giving you the right feedback as far as what needs to happen and you're taking that in and you're working on it, like you said, one day a week is fine. But like you said, I think that's the awesome thing about baseball is or, or coaching is that, um, you know, you could, you know, it, it all makes sense to a certain extent. It's just how you go about how you go about doing it. So. Yeah, for sure. That's why I'm so excited about. It. I got this. I got this college job. I'm finally a college hitting guy, and now it's uh, it's going to be really cool to work with a group of guys yep. five days a week. You know what I'm saying? Like you can really put a lot of a lot of shit to to work there. You know, you can you can dedicate two days to bat speed. You can de- dedicate two days to you can, off speed, and you know, you, you can you, say there's a lot you can work with in one day which is saying more in that day. Like, okay, I don't have to mm-hmm. talk about this today because I have tomorrow. Exactly. So let's, let's lock on, let's lock in on this today. So well, like I said, instead of you just rambling and yeah, talking sure, because sure. you feel like you got to get it out, you can shut up and save it and speak on that the next day. Cause you can. So yeah, no, there's, that was the one fun thing about me coaching high school baseball was having that, you know, that, that five or six days a week to be able to, like you said, pick, pick one to talk and, pick one to pick one to work and yeah. Why doesn't Peabody baseball? Uh, why doesn't Peabody baseball open up a facility? Cause um, I do not feel like managing a facility when I am not at the facility. Um, I'm sh- so that that's one main reason. The other reason is, is I feel like for me, um, I don't know. I, I, my mission is to reach, the to reach as many people as possible and for me to have a a a little spot in san diego um you know you know even if we didn't have traffic it's like san diego is not the easiest place to get around like there's a bunch of freeways and there's things like that but southern california is a is a big place there's a lot of kids and i don't want to be stuck in one part of cal in one part of san diego to and and stick with the mentality of oh well you know I'm so good. People are going to come and see me no matter where I'm at. Um, that's a great mentality to have. If you're stuck in one spot, it's the only mentality to have. If you're, if you're in one spot, if, if it's going to work. So I've taken the mentality of, like I said, I have three different locations. Um, I'm available to kids in orange County and Los Angeles. I'm available to kids in Tijuana, Mexico and South San Diego. And I'm available mm-hmm. to kids you know, an hour northeast or an hour, yeah, an, an hour northeast of San Diego and Temecula. So I, my, 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 my reach is bigger than anybody's reach that I know. Um, and because of that, I feel like as a, as a personal business owner, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm busier because of that. Um, the slots that I have to fill, it's easier to fill eight or 10 slots in one location than it is to fill 40 slots in one location. So, um, you know, supply and demand is higher. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, uh, I'm in one place once a week, so it's just, it's harder to get in, which like I said, it's just, I can charge more. I can, I can, uh, I can fill all my spots because it's like, Hey dude, I'm not, I'm not there three days a week. So if you don't want to come in at two o'clock, I'm not going to see you for two weeks. And it's amazing how people show up at two o'clock. So, um, yeah, there's just so many things. I don't have over. I don't have as many. I don't have as much overhead. Um, like I said, I don't want to manage a facility the other three days that I'm not there, which is which is other headaches. Uh, it might be more profit to an extent, but like I said, dude, I'm you know I'm, I'm as a yeah. I, it, might, it might not be. It might not I would be. disagree. So I would disagree. So the well, that that's why. Well, for one, let's touch on one thing first. I'm pretty sure that's actually – because I've asked you this question before. I knew the answer before I asked it, but for people listening, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. There, there's a lot more – if you're a hitting guy, the first thing you want to do is you want to open up your own place for some reason. like, And I, and I was the same way until I spoke to you about it. Um, but before I get into the, you know, some other stuff, you had that issue. You had that issue, I think, with two big-time guys 
where you were only at where were you? I think you were in you weren't you weren't in Carlsbad at the time. You were at you know you were at Miramar and you were at another spot I think. And yeah. those guys in Carlsbad, it's like what forty minutes away, and they they wanted to hit with you however many times, but they but they were like yeah like we can't keep making this drive man like you're gonna you got to come down here you got to come because you have so many people down here that want to work with you you know and then you were you you moved into uh, yeah you moved into that other spot was it five tour or whatever it is so. But that's exactly what you're talking about, you know, kind of, kind of expanding your 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 demographic to different spots of SoCal, and and it opens up your reach to, you know, it, it, the the reach is. is I, I grew up, you know, we're we can't even put a number coast, on it. man. It's all like, people in California they want to drive five minutes to work, and I'm like, my dad was a garbage man. He woke up at ten o'clock mm-hmm. at night and drove from upstate new you know orange county upstate new york to new york city to go to go work all night so like the idea of driving 20 minutes to go to work or 35 minutes to go to work like that's not (laughs) that ain't shit so these people are like oh did you drive 40 minutes to get here i'm like is that is is that wild it's Uh, not even bad is that is that a big deal oh dude you're driving 40 minutes to get here five days a week i'm like no i'm driving 40 minutes to get here one day a week and i'm I'm busy, you know, like, so I just don't see, uh, I just don't yeah, see how bro. people don't, don't see that, you know. I, for example, my, my pops, he, we grew up in Jersey, but my pops just moved to PA. Uh, and he's working down in South Jersey now. It's like a three hour drive. <laughs> he just, he makes the drive but, every day to work. And he's like, he's like, I don't there mind. are some it's people in that California that, that do you're, get you're it. They're like, you know, shot, they drive bro. to L they make the LA drive, but it's like, I, I've run into so many people that I'm like, why are you surprised? Yeah, I drive yeah. 40 minutes to go to work. <laughs> my, so my brother, my brother asked me all the time. He's like, why don't you open up a spot? Why don't you open up a spot? You got, you got to get a facility. And, uh, one, I don't have the capital for it too. Like that, that's like the main thing that you're talking about is you have, a, it's a, it's a huge expense just to, just to get a spot. And then you're talking, you know, Burn County, New Jersey, um, which is like the second richest County in the country outside of the Hollywood Hills. It's ridiculous. Um, but that's for one, but two to bring up some financials of it. If you go and, you know, I don't know how many lessons you have. I know, I know you have a lot, but let's say you have however many lessons, right? Now, let's say, for example, let's say you have, we'll use an, an odd number. Let's say you have yeah, we can say that. 30 yeah, lessons a week. Number. Is that fair? Can we say that? Can we use that number? Let's say, let's say you have 30 lessons a week, right? And now let's say you're making however much money. You have to cut that in. How, how much of that money is going to rent? How much of that money is going to, you know, equipment, uh, maintenance, you know, in my opinion, and the reason why I probably, we'd have to be in a great, in a great position for me to open something up. But the reason I don't do it is because you're the moment you have to worry about keeping the lights on at a spot, you're taking the quality away from the work. You turn into like, I said it before, but you turn into like that business over like your brand right and and people come to you because you're peabody baseball and because you have the brand you know they come to different breed because it's like it's a different thing right it's it's not you're coaching like you're coaching the individual you're coaching like this this thing like you it's it's bigger than than you know a business it's bigger than you know having to worry about how you're going to pay your rent how you're going to keep the lights on in the place you know what i'm saying like once you bring the money into it like that you're, I don't know, I bro. It's like it's scary stuff, because then you're doing anything to make money. You're working with that. You're working with that kid in first grade that doesn't even know how to pick up a bat yet. You know, six, three times a week just to pay the bills. You know what I'm saying? Like the quality of work. I feel yeah, like no, it's, but, uh, it's, that's my opinion. That's why. And, I and again, do. that's just certain people don't. You know, it's not what it's about. Some people are just about like let's make money. You know, and certain people are about let's let's do quality let's do quality yeah, yeah. work and make some money you know what i'm saying and you know they don't always go together so yeah, yeah um yeah i mean like you said being a being a facility owner is there's there's so much time and there's maintenance and like i said your initial investment is is huge and i'm and i'm not saying it's not worth i, I know i'm sure that there are some cage owners that have done well 
But for the most part, the cage owners, at least out here in San Diego, um, if you, you know, most of them struggle, dude. Most of them struggle to, to, to keep their head over the water. Um, it's just, there's just a low mar. It's a low profit margin business. And, um, sometimes people mm-hmm. that profit margin out a little bit more than it should. And to your point, that's where things start to get sloppy, but it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard. And, and, and you don't own, like if you owned, that would be different, but you don't own out here. You're paying rent. Like you don't own your facility, dude. Like that's, is, that's the problem that I have is like, you don't own that. Building, exactly. bro. You're paying rent to someone else. So it's like, if you, if you're out of there, you're out of there, dude. Like you're not getting that money back. You're not selling that building and getting that money back. So, um, you don't, you don't even have like, you don't, equity you don't, own, that, like, that to, person, to an extent, you don't even have equity in your own, you business. know, again, whoever I'm giving my, like people own me too, you know, you, whatever we all gotta, like, if I'm paying you for a monthly cage, like that's, you know, you, you, you know, we're partners to an extent. Um, but I just couldn't have a partner that's, taking me for that much <laughs> you no i pay you, i pay that's by a, the you by the pay monthly I for pay some of your the, places or no by the hour yeah so i, I may you pay, pay by the lesson i may pay or like by the hour two weeks pay whoever i owe yeah, nice um but it, it all goes by the hour um you know 15 about 15 bucks an hour basically is what i'm paying to, to rent a facility so word good stuff all right bro well listen i'm not gonna oh, keep you much good, longer dude. We, dude we've been going that's for like an bad. hour and a half probably about an hour how about that bro how about that i have so much i have so much stuff that i just i have to get to and uh considering we're going to keep doing this. Why, why are we going to rush into it? This just gives us more shit to talk about next time. I want to talk Moniac. I want to, t- I want to talk Moniac and Juan Soto. I thought that was a good point. Like, why is, why do they want him to be like Soto? It's, they don't really have similar body types. Can you hear me? And you don't have to get into it now, but if you want, you could. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. We'll I get think, into it. I think at the end yeah, of the day, long story short. And I, I lose you? 